Thank you for listening to the Father's Table podcast. If you like this episode, please make sure you share. For more episodes and blogs, check out www.fatherspodcast.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Father's Table Podcast and Twitter at Father Stories. Father's Table, an introspective look and conversation about our fathers and how they shaped our lives. Welcome back to the Father's Table. I'm your host, Keith. Thanks for joining. Today, I have a very special guest, Doug Reed, joining us at the table. Doug is a military veteran and a dedicated social justice advocate, has an expansive career that includes experience in law enforcement, organizational management, and working toward achieving greater diversity and equity within our armed forces. Doug has lectured courses at universities and also is a mentor. Doug is also a member of Black Men Heal, an organization that helps men by distributing resources in the area of mental health, speaking, and community programming. Doug, welcome to the table. Thank you, sir. Thanks for thanks for having me, Keith. Oh, no, no problem, man. I'm glad you're here. So, as you may know, on the Father's Table, I'd like to start off each episode with uh, when I like I like to ask our guests to close their eyes. And take three deep breaths. And when you're done, I want you to tell me what comes to mind when you think about your father. Chief, well, well, the thing that comes to mind about my father is I wish I knew him. Uh, gotcha. For the simple fact that my father was killed by his best friend over who was the oldest when I was four years old. Four years old. Oh, wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Wow, man. Well, we're, we're going to touch into that uh, on this episode. And I, I really, uh, that's, that's, that's harsh, man. So let's start here. Let's rewind the clocks back. Uh, can you tell me about your mother and your father of uh, their relationship and how they met? Uh, let's start there. I really can't tell you how they met. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, and this gets, you know, gets deep even as we say it and, and things that happen with our community. My father wasn't married to my mother. So they had a relationship. And out of that relationship, I was birthed. Uh, my father was, you know, from the information that I gathered and was told, I mean, just real talk. And, you know, that's about this, this show and the transparency. Like, really, my father was a rolling stone, if you remember that terminology. Yeah, the, so, the temptation song. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, when we take it back, you know, like I said, and just being honest, that's the things that I recall. Uh, I have actually three other brothers um on my father's side, so to speak, uh, I, I received a lot of information from them. You know, my father was, you know, big and built as far as about six foot two, maybe two thirty, something like that. You know, similar to my build today. Um, strong man, hardworking man, uh, Vietnam vet, but also 
some of the things I, I was told my father was, I'm not going to say bully, but there were opportunities where, you know, he was a man that didn't back down. Mm. So that, and, 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 and I kind of, you know, makes me think even in relationship to his death, that was part of the issue, him being mm. who he was in stature. So, uh, and it's funny, uh, I have a nephew that actually sent me that article and that was back in 1967. Wow. 1967. Man. So your father was shot and killed when you were four. Your pa- your parents weren't married. Mm-hmm. So when you came into this world, your earliest recollections, let's take it, you know, young age, uh, kindergarten age, let's take it there. So you didn't grow up with the household of, you know, mommy and daddy are in the home. It was, you saw mostly your mother in the home doing a lot of the, the work. Right. Uh, how was your early childhood in that sense? And before you, before he passed away, how active was he when you were baby, one, two, three, four years old? Do you remember him? You know what I kind of remember um, is the, 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 the kid on the shoulders. You know what I mean? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, we got sons, (laughs) you know, one, one of the uh, great pleasures of a man, I, I think for a man to do is to grab his young child and put him on his shoulders and just hold him high. So I, I do have that recollection. Um, you know, same thing. My, my mother, very strong woman, you know, and I had two brothers that were in the household. I had, you know, I had uncles. So they represented the fatherhood that I wasn't receiving or what I perceived to be fatherhood. You know, of course, you know, in, in scripture, we kind of say we all fall short of his glory. So, you know, they had their flaws, but they were the ones who showed me what a man was uh, by watching them. I had an uncle that was very instrumental, uh, not only in my family, but in all of our families, my, uh, you know, cousins that, uh, you know, we all were, were close. So that's that's what I had to get this structure. You know, no book is given <laughs> to get the structure of fatherhood. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you remember him on your shoulders? Um, Excuse me. You remember you on his shoulders and that's like a fond memory that you have of him. So getting older, how was, how was the father figures in your life around like middle school when you started to get an understanding of what was going on? Cause I'm, I'm sure you thought, you know, this is normal, but when did it set in that your father wasn't in the home? He, he, he had passed away and, and these men were your uncles and your other relatives. When did that set in? You know, I, I, I would say probably elementary school. Cause I, I remember going through a, a time period you know, as a kid, you know, we have a tendency to talk about each other, just what kids do, you know, your mother this, your father this. And I remember like kids talking about my father. Well, your father did this. And I would get, immediately I would get angry. And I had close friends that knew of the situation, not per se all the facts, but knew my father was killed. Then they would step in and say, yo, you know, stop. Don't mess with Doug about his father. He gets angry about that. And that's so that lasted, 
you know, from, I would say, all of my elementary years, junior high school probably was the separation because now, of course, I'm starting to get, you know, 13, 14 years old, roughly, that independence. And now I'm starting to really get understanding who I am and starting to make my own decisions and based on things that I see, based on things that I hear. Mm. Gotcha. And you said you used to, it used to be like a trigger. You would get angry. Did that lead to a lot of fights and things like that? Didn't lead to, to fights, but led to, um, you know, the, the, the disagreement, almost the fight, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people respected that, that boundary once they seen the reaction. Uh, gotcha. I didn't, I don't recall many fights, but I do recall the, the, the anger or the, you know, the fact, you know, of, of just that tension between two people or two kids at that particular time. Understood. Understood. And let's talk about your father passing. Do you know the, the full story or, you know, what the article perceives or you, over the years, what bits of information did you gather or are you able to share that of what happened on that day? Well, not on a day. I mean, pretty much uh, it was it was a blessing that like my nephew found the articles because I had looked for it for years. My mother gave it to me and it, the, the account of the article was basically right. Um, and then I, I remember distinctly, too, you know, like I said, the fact that my father wasn't there. I remember one time I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. So I remember asking my mother what a grave site was. But I couldn't recall where the gravesite was. And she gave me the, the address. And, and I remember, you know, it's kind of funny now, but I remember going to his gravesite, like, yo, this this ain't, I don't recall this particular space. You know, granted, I'm four years old, but I don't recall this space. Uh, and I called my mother back and I was like, like, I don't think this is it. You know, you know how mothers do, oh, son, you know what? I gave you the wrong cemetery. You know what I mean? So then she ended up giving me the right cemetery. And I, I remember, I remember coming off this main road. I remember making a left turn. I remember going in this area and a big tree being all the way down to the far left. But this is not a cemetery anymore. Mm. You know, this, I mean, still a cemetery, but grass, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, they didn't keep it up. But I remember the tree. And I remember taking a time out there and just speaking to my father, even kind of emotional now, uh, or holding back the emotions and asking like, dad, I wish you were here to see the man that I've become. I wish we, I wish you lived longer, you know, things of that nature. So. Yeah, that's tough. I, Mm -hmm. I could relate to that. I, I, (laughs) I have moments like that. Uh, I had one a moment like that a few weeks ago. My yeah. father's birthday just passed, and I don't think about him on like Father's Day mm-hmm. or his birthday. I think about him just on different days. It seems like random days, and I'll sometimes I'll shed a tear, and I'm like, man, I wish he he could meet my son. 
you know, that'd be so cool. Yeah. And I wish I could talk to him about marriage. I wish I could yeah. talk to him about his marriage. I, you know, it's like, like this puzzle piece that you wish you could like slip into the rest of the puzzle and you could see the picture clearly. Uh, so I, I definitely understand that, man. Like, oh man. But let me throw this at you. And this is, <laughs> and I, I, I did remember, but I didn't remember. Like I knew your father. Mm-hmm. And the, the the things that I remember, because I remember him working at Memorial, and I used to actually being one of the principals at Memorial, and I used to referee. I ref all sports, basketball, football, coach, whatever. But we used to go on a volunteer basis to referee the the middle school games afterwards. Yeah, and he was always the biggest fan, and so much re, so much respect. Um, for him, you know, and, and of course, you know, not trying to bring back those memories. And, and, and this is just, and I remember having a conversation with, with Stephanie, your sister, and your, your mom. And I really didn't understand, like, I was really drawn to Aaron for, mm-hmm. for, for some reason. Well, I, I know the reason now. Mm-hmm. And I told, you know, and, and there's certain things that I would say to him. And like, I took Aaron, your nephew to like basketball games. I mean, this kid was all up on the big, big Tron and, and the dog on Prudential Stadium and everything. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, so I did have an opportunity to, to meet your dad and actually, you know, um, and same thing. So I, I understand, like, like you're saying, wishing uh, he was there or wishing that you could have that conversation. And those are things that, that I, I felt, you know, and, you know, those are some of the things that, you know, you try to, instilling your own sons or want that relationship. But, you know, even with that, some, some, some things don't go as planned, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand that. Um, moving forward a little bit, and we could touch on what we just spoke about a little later, but I wanted to get through, do, do you, rec- what did the article say about the, the shooting? Was it just a disagreement? And yep. A big argument. What were they talking about? Or the article didn't stay safe. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So the argument and, and you know, we, we talked about dates as far as, you know, being back to remembrance. So the article was based on who was the oldest. Oh, okay. And the guy lost the bet. Oh, wow. So in turn, he shoots and he kills him. And uh, it sounds like it was a money bet. Like, I bet you X amount of dollars I'm the oldest, and he lost the bet. And then, right. Wow. And, and then, if, then of course, if you, if you think about it, like I said, my, you know, from what the information that I got, and I have some pictures, older pictures, you know, my father was a, you know, tall guy. Um, so, like I said, he was, you know, sh- strong willed. So, this guy probably thought that, you know, if it, if he, as we say, resulted to hands that he wasn't going to win. So this was the only means for him to retaliate. But unfortunately it led, it led to death. Man. That's, that's, that's just so, I mean, I, I say it, it's, it's just a senseless thing. It's, you know, over, yeah. over a bit, you know, it, it doesn't, I man. mean, you know, but you the, see it today, which is, which yeah. is really sad. You see that same stuff today. I mean, and this is and this is the amazing part that now I can speak freely about it. This this took a, a lot of a lot of years to get through this, you know. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, emotionally. I mean, and that's why my dedication as far as, you know, what you mentioned before is Black Men Heal, because we have a lot of trauma in our lives that we just carry on our shoulders. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely get into that. I want to bring up middle school, high school. You're navigating through life. Mm -hmm. That's the age where... You know, you start to become more mature as a man. You see things you like. You could probably have a job, start making your own decisions, uh, interested in women, relationships, things like that. A very tough age to navigate with or without a father, especially. I mean, I could only imagine without a father. How, how was those age? How was that time period in your life navigating? like middle school, high school, that sort of time period? Well, middle school, of course, you know, I was, you know, the thing that, you know, just going back in history, they talked about, you know, uh, segregation. Uh, I was part of the integration where they integrated us into uh, to the white schools. So that was middle school, you know. So and, and during that time in the 70s, you know, tension was high, almost similar like it is today. But what the, the basis, the, the basis, the foundation of my friends, you know, I was able to, you know, m- maneuver through that. I always been a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, always involved in sports, you know, like you said, you know, getting interested in girls. So, you know, my social life was, was relatively, uh, was good. I, I could say it was good. Uh, I think I was experimenting with weed back then. Well, I think I know I was experimenting <laughs> with, you know, yeah, with weed back then. I, I even recall I was, I was selling joints at a young age, um, you know, and that's just, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book right now, but you know, so those days were good. I, I, my middle school years were, were, were actually good. Gotcha. And how did not having a father impact you around those ages? Were, did you or did you have that uncle that would step in and say, "Hey, you know, you need to slow down here or offer some guidance or correction"? Well, you know what I, I think. Um, you know, thank God for my mother. So I, I've always had certain boundaries that she instituted in us as far as what what a man or a young man should be. So I had boundaries that, even though I was doing some things, I didn't. I wasn't taking things over the top. So gotcha. with, with that, I had boundaries, even though, like I said, maybe, you know, I sold a little couple of joints, which is, I mean, you think about that boundary, I totally crossed the line, but I was a smart kid. So that, that enabled me to uh, stay within a, a certain limitation of boundaries where, you know, I wasn't out there getting arrested or anything like that. Good, good. And then you went to the army after high school. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I went to the army at high school. After high school, same thing. Uh, going through high school, um, you know, started off the tenth and eleventh grade, played basketball, active. Um, you know, this is where the interest of, of girls came in. I actually, found a, a job at a meat market, so I was, you know, I, I what was my pay? Uh, I think it was a you know part time fifty five dollars a, a week one hundred and ten every two weeks I'm I'm a happy go lucky guy but <laughs> you know again again interested in girls and of course that leads to you know uh, being out there so, so to speak and you know my my first son 
was born when I was in a senior in high school, you know, I was oh. only seven, 17 years old. Oh, wow. So did you bring, um, how do I put it? So when you interested in this girl, you became an item together. Did you tell, I mean, obviously you told your mother, but any other male father figure in your life that you went to and say, hey, I'm really interested in this girl or better yet, you know, she's pregnant. What was the type of advice that you received from like men around in your circle? Well, you know, what happens is, you know, we had generation curses in our, in our family um, and even within our own communities. Can and, you explain what the, what the, uh, to the, for the listeners, what a generational curse is? I mean, generation cur- curse is something that goes through generations. A, uh, and this is just my own words. I'm not sure what the defin- definition may be, but just something that is transparent in every generation, something that's, uh, is coming out as a normal function within, uh, within men or whatever that we accept as a norm but it's really against the normal. Um, and it just, it, it goes from generation to generation and generation. Us not knowing and knowing how to combat it or how to stop it. And of course, there's a basis that what you need to have to really to fight it is of course, based on your faith. So with that, you know, the, the generation curse was, you know, my brother was the same way. Uh, you know, both my brothers are the same way. And apparently, as we hear the history of my father, my father was the same way. And of course, you know, it was just a continuous cycle. So I really, when you when you look at it and you, you want that male, uh, uh, you want that male guidance, you didn't really get it because this was considered a norm, so to speak. Like, oh, you got such and such pregnant. Oh, okay. You just like you just like your brothers. You just like your father, you know. So this was a norm. So here you are trying to accept this responsibility of being a father, and you're totally, totally, totally not prepared for it. Mm. But based yeah. on what you've heard, you think you are because now, you know, you know there there there's a thing about being a man and being a male, you know. Uh, being a male is, you know, what what I, I was born in this world with. Being a man is taking the responsibility to accept those things that you've created. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. That that's uh that's that's really interesting how those things trickle down. And when I hear you talking about that, I'm I'm thinking about the word standard, right? In my household, we grew up and it was just church, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Principles and things like that. But there was always a standard of doing the right thing. And that's what we were held to sometimes. Um, and I think that what I'm hearing from you is the standard was here, but you didn't know about another standard like there's something exactly. higher than that. So it's like, oh, okay, good. You know, Doug got a girl pregnant. That's great, man. You know, so it's like a pat on the back kind of. <laughs> so you have a child, young age. You go to the army after the child was born or like. Right. Because, I mean, pressure is on now. Right. You know, of course, 
not, not of course, but then there's a breakup with the young lady that I was with. The pressure's on, you know, the child support, the caring. And same thing, the, the, the standard, what I was used to was for a majority, you know, my uncles or, or males joined the, the military. So in order for me to continue to function um, as, as a norm or being able to take all this pressure, I had to have a, stud, a steady job uh, to pay for the support. I, I had to, so many pressures that were on me that, you know, didn't have a relationship with a young lady. And, you know, of course, you know, I'm not going to say fights or disagreements. I, I, I had to get away, you know, because on, on the on the flip side of that is all the wrong things that with where I would where I grew up with, which you know, which is the drugs and all that. So I can actually go into that circle and try to make a living and, and be something. And I was determined not to do that. Understood. And from that you spent how many years again into the with the armed forces? How many years were you there? Total, uh, total twenty-two. I think. I think eighteen, eight reserve, eight active duty, and fourteen reserves. Now, the the army built me into the structure of being a man as far as leadership. That's that's what I was going to ask you next. Now we see the movies like Full Metal Jacket, Jarhead, things like that. And I remember I watched a YouTube video where I, I guess uh, a real live uh, active duty uh, official was commenting on the movies and saying, this is true, this isn't true, this is true, this isn't true. Mm-hmm. So walk me through that uh, uh, briefly, your years of serving this country and the armed forces and how that shaped you to being a man. Well, of course, you know, coming from where I was, I, coming into the, the, the military wasn't, it was exciting, but really wasn't my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember in basic training, same thing, you know, you, you bring back memories. So one thing you have to accept, or you, you may not accept, you know, it, it's that it's a mind game. And then if you are able to understand the a mind game, you know, that they're playing tricks on you, Mm. you know, so, but, but it was, but it it was a place where it was a hard respect. It was, everything was hard drove and everything was stern in which as a father, Mm. I missed. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I see that. That makes sense. So, so, you know, in the beginning, you know, basic training, I, I remember I got really frustrated one time where we actually came back from a range or whatever we had to do. Uh, we had took showers, got cleaned up, and they kicked us out and because we, we failed a barracks inspection. And they had us do what they call grass drills. Grass drills is, you know, getting up, getting down, roll left, roll right. But we did it in the sand. Mm. So I had sand everywhere. And I remember standing up and said, you know what? I said some bleepity bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> F all y'all, you know what I mean? But I remember, and of course, you know, I remember in the basic training, they called me Cool Breeze because of my mannerisms or whatever. They called me Cool Breeze. And they say, Cool Breeze, if you don't get out, we're going to beat your butt. <laughs> so, 
being the man that I am, I thought that being the man that I am, I got down and, of course, adhered to what they said. And then my first duty station, I went to, you know, you go through that school and then I went to Germany. That was the first place. I'd never been to Germany. You know, barely can find Germany on the map. But when I got to Germany, of course, it's a whole different structure of culture, way of living. But the thing that the military stressed when I was over there was leadership. You know, mm. you know, when we got promoted, it was based on our knowledge of leadership. It was based on FM 22-100, the manual for leadership. So everything was leadership. And I bought into it. When wow. I say I bought into it, that's what, you know, we're going back to the respect. We're going back to trying to set the example. We're going back to being technically and tactically proficient. We're going back to uh, self-care. We're going back to taking care of the soldiers. All those things, if you think about it, all those things that you would want for your son, I'm getting it from a, another entity as far as the military. You know, we right. went to, I went to a promotion board. Out of the promotion board, you could score 200 points. I scored 199.8, the highest achievement I ever had in my life as far as accomplishment. But that's mm -hmm. how I was in tune to leadership. Oh, wow. Wow. And I, I want to ask you this, going back to sports a little bit, you said you played sports. Mm -hmm. Did And, I, and I've, I, I can't remember who said this. I think I was talking to a buddy of mine and we were talking about sports and how, how men like sports because of the action. But there's like a discipline that comes with playing sports. Mm -hmm. Yes. Were you that, did you exude leadership in sports or were you the type of player you know you just having some fun you know i could take a lead this sport well it's, it's <laughs> both really one was uh one the, the structure i mean we think about coaches and you know all all the the male coaches out there and what they represent as far as the the, the values and what they bring to the table and the structure and the discipline so i got that part i understood that part the thing that I'd have, and this is for anybody that plays sports, I did not love the game. Mm. It was a game that I played going back to what you said. I could take it or leave it. And actually, my senior year, I get cut. I get cut my senior year. I mean, who gets cut? You played two years. And I played, <laughs> you know. But I, I really, you know, I didn't work on my game in the, in the summer. And I, I didn't love the game. You know, I didn't have a passion for the game. I was just doing it just to be doing it. And I had talent and skills, but I didn't take them seriously. Oh, okay. So in the army, you fell in love with leadership and you were getting that parental father like mm -hmm. molding of what a man is and what a leader is. Now let's transition to you coming back or, mm -hmm. or should I say while you were there, did you, uh, now, cause I know you're married now. Did, did were you did you get married again uh, or previously to to this marriage or did or, or should I ask what did they say A B and C and all the above so all the above <laughs> okay all the above. so and I'm sure you're you're uh, did you you said you had a son when you were young correct yeah, yeah so how was your relationship with him during these years and as you were getting this leadership education. Were you trying to deposit that to him? I know I threw um, a lot at you. No, I mean, it, it all makes sense. So I, I wasn't able to de deposit because I really didn't have a relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, in, in that process, 
like I said, when you when you separate yourself or whatever the reason for the separation between uh, that I had between the mother, it wasn't a conducive relationship. So I felt like I was always being attacked in regards to my son. So I, I didn't have that relationship. The one thing that I, I, I did, though, uh, I wrote him a letter to explain to him my position and how I felt about him and everything that I could put in, in, in this letter to explain myself as a father. I, I was able to do that. Was it was the letter well received? Yeah, it was. I mean, I still have a relationship with him now. That's awesome. Uh, he's in California, and of course, you know, he has three kids. He just, you know, unfortunately broke up with his his girlfriend. Mm. Yeah, uh, and yeah. now he's trying to, you know, trying to do the best he can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's tough seeing those things. Mm-hmm. And you see how that how fatherhood is just very important. You you see the trickle down effect. I I'm seeing it more and more, and that's why I do this show. We we try to come on and talk about the importance of a father. And also, I want to transition here too. But before I go there, the type of interviewer I am, I, I jump around. Uh, so you said you I'm got married here. again, mm-hmm. or excuse me, you got married the first time. So how was your relationship then? And again, were you pulling off the leadership teachings as a guy, as a fatherly guide in that marriage as well? Well, my first marriage, I, I, I was I was young. It was two young kids that just you know tied the knot, just to, just to tie the knot. No kids involved. Uh, but w- what it did, as far as the relationship, uh, the military taught me was to be responsible for my actions. And that's, as a result, that's where the, where the letter actually came in. Then of course I get remarried and I have, um, three other kids, two boys and, and, and one girl, um, which resulted me being, trying to be the father that I miss trying to be the, the father based on all the skills and everything that I, I had gathered, um, you know, trying to be, you know, trying to be the provider and things went well for a lot of years. Um, okay. Until, you know, boom, there's the divorce. Yeah. 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 That's tough. That's, mm-hmm. that's very tough. And I could only imagine not having that picture there and trying to get different ideas and things like that for what you want your marriage to be. Mm-hmm. Then you know, as time goes on, you get books and shows and doctors and therapists talking about what it means to be married. And um, but I, I like to say this: one standard I I know, and I've we talked about standards earlier, is that God's standard I feel is the best standard for my life, and mm-hmm. I want to teach that to my children, and that's what we try to keep in our home. Yeah. It's very simple and just, you know, he'll he'll see you through it with faith. And I want to transition there spiritually. Now, were you always a believer? Because we as as I said earlier, we met in church. Were you always a believer or not so? That's the best way to put it. So I was always a believer. 
Oh, I got it. So I was always a believer, but I wasn't a doer of the word. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I same think, here. <laughs> I think that sums it up. You know what right, I mean? Right, 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 right. So now walk me through this. How did, when you started doing what the word said, how did that change your view on being a father, Your the way you viewed your father, the way you view being a father now? So one thing that, that happened to me and, you know, as I'm going through this transition, uh, just actually a transition of self, trying to understand me, you know, not nobody mm-hmm. else, because that's, you know, that's that's adding more. But working on a vertical relationship and not worrying about the horizontal relationship. Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly because I remember going in my garage and I still had that military manual, FM 22-100. And I said, Lord, I, I know that I'm a leader. I know that you instituted some things and surround me with things to be a better man, to be a better father. And I heard Miles Monroe. And I was like, yo, I like this guy. Like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, he's all about the leadership. And he has a book, too. Uh, I think the, it's called The Fatherhood Principles. So mm. now when I go back and I'm reading this book and I'm like, Lord, so how does all this correspond within your kingdom? Because now I get it. See, now the, the military is a very rigid and disciplined and authoritative approach in everything that it does. It's changed over the years, but still that's that's what you see. You know, you see a, a drill sergeant, you see the hat, it's like, yo, that guy, watch them, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get us. But then when you look at it from a spiritual sense and you start to understand, because now I have these same you know, I, I've learned I have these same characteristics as Christ. So if I have these same characteristics of Christ, then that means I have the gentleness, I have the meekness, I have the patience, I have all those things that I wasn't taught about and being a man. So now when I understand that, now I become, you know, not to say a, a, a lover in a negative sense, because now I become a lover of people. So now I'm starting to understand my approaches. My approaches can't always be so rigid and so authoritative. I mean, I am what I am, but now I'm starting to understand these other characteristics. Understanding now how Jesus, when he walked the earth, it wasn't about just gaining the masses. It was just trying to teach the people about, about the kingdom of God. That was it. Mm-hmm. Understood. And and she started walking these principles out it started to change your fathering change how you viewed your father did you have any anger towards your father you did you blame him or get up which is upset with him like why were you there uh you know you could have been doing something different and the, the reason why i asked that question is because <laughs> i haven't seen people get upset with people in in a matter of death before until my mm-hmm. father passed. And it was like, mm-hmm. people are like mad because at him, <laughs> it's like, why did you, why did you do this? And you should have been doing something else. And it's like, well, I, I understand that. But did you have any of that as a young child, you know, should have been there or were you just mad at the, his friend who shot him? Okay, so, and I'm going to throw it back on you. So the, the thing, what happens is, one, mad at his friend who shot him, and mad at God. Mm. Because, wow. 
you know, Lord, you 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 took him away. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and 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 that's just being real. And but you know, of course, understanding the faith and, and getting through that. You know, uh, I I mean, one thing's for certain that we're going to all die. Uh, you know, you know, some things. You know, the the, the devil is definitely in the midst. You know, we can't tr- control that. But something that you said is, I try to stay within those boundaries and live out those standards that God gives the highest standard. You know, yeah. even I go back to, to, to marriage now and, and where I'm at is the simple fact that when you look at the covenant, what God created in marriage based on any problem of, or any situation that happens, doesn't even measure to the covenant that God created. Mm-hmm. So when I look at it in that perspective, what I realize is a lot of things that I feel that's a problem or what it is ends up being a couple things. One, end up being selfish because now I'm just worried about me. And then it ends up being, you know, men talk about women, but it ends up being based on my emotions. Yeah. Yeah. So those are things that come back to my remembrance as I'm going through to whatever problem, or you know, so to speak, within a marriage and say, no, this doesn't this doesn't even measure to what God created. Wow. And I want to share, I want to talk about this as well. With God's standard, how your life has changed, you've seen a change in your life, forgiving the shooter of your father, having having children, changing your parenting, and now you're part of the nonprofit or uh, the organization rather, mm-hmm. Blackman Hill. I want to ask you a few questions about what you've seen or what you are currently seeing with this organization and the men that pass through. Can you tell me what what do you think the biggest issue is with young black men? Um especially the men that, that you help counsel. What is what is a reoccurring thing? Because, and I'll, I'll phrase it this way. When I worked in IT, sometimes I would see the same issue over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I remember my boss was like, "We try, let's try to figure out the root cause of this. Let's not put Band-Aids on it, but let's try to get to the root cause so we can Absolutely. fix it and it won't be a problem Absolutely. again. So what do you think the one of the root cause, I'm sure is probably tons of causes, but what is one reoccurring root cause that you see when young men come through the organization? One one of the root causes is that we try to carry all these stressors. We try to carry all this trauma, we, everything that uh, the negative impacts in our life. We try to put it on our shoulders and think that we can handle it. Mm. And then, and the stigma is that it's negative if I talk to a therapist or if I t- basically it's negative or thinking is negative. If I talk to anybody about it. And then yeah. even as people go through it, they're finding out like, yo, I'm not in this alone. And then if we, you know, if we even take it back to the, the scripture base, the Lord even tells us, you know, place all your cares and concerns on me. They don't yeah. belong to you anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what 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 I find out is 
men are just carrying this on their backs, all this, all this pain. And when they have an opportunity to express themselves, and you've been out there, I mean, even this conversation, having this conversation, we're both having the opportunity to express ourselves. That's a relief, you mm-hmm. know, and then knowing that if I can express myself or if I'm in this circle, uh, that I have an opportunity not only to help, even help myself, but help other people that actually listen to this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, you know, that goes back to the leadership. And that's why I, I told you, like, look, Keith, I'm an open book, man, because the things that I, I went through, and I want anybody else to go through. If I can help prevent you, prevent it, because, you know, we all don't read the manual, so to speak. You right, know, right, so right. if you're not going to read the manual, then then, then watch, watch what I do or listen to some of the things I say. So I think right. that stigma, uh, just the stigma of just thinking that we can carry all this on our back. And we, we, we can't, you know, and, and I, I like that you said that cause, um, my, <laughs> my son, when he, when he has a fit and he's upset and he doesn't get something that he wants, I try to correct him, but I also want him, I also want to talk to him so he can get that out. And I say, well, what happened? Well, why are you upset? And He'll try to mouth what he's talking about. And I'll listen to him. But it's good that we can establish that back and forth communication now mm-hmm. so he doesn't bottle this stuff up. Um, because that's a form of anger as well. And I had to, I did some digging on that. And it's even in the scripture where it talks about how Cain was angry with his brother and his countenance fell. Mm-hmm. And I think about that, and I'm wondering, did he was he sulking? Was he just growling? What was he doing? But I'm thinking, when I'm upset, my sometimes my countenance falls, and it's like, am I angry at something? And mm-hmm. some and men and women tend to shut down. They, I don't want to talk about it. I'm a, ah, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> because and, that's that's the easiest route. <laughs> That's the easiest route. You know what I mean? That That is yeah. the easiest route. Oh, boom, I don't want to talk about it. Yep, and lock it up, and boom, and that stuff builds. And you could probably uh, co-sign this. It plays on your health, Absolutely. your physical body, and you get sick, and you don't know why, and it, it continues to eat at your body, your mental health, your spiritual health, uh, your physical health. Yep. It, it's good that it starts from home and I'm, I'm glad that you have these things that address these issues with men. Cause there is a lot, it's a lot of responsibility to be a man. Let's just be honest. It, it totally is. <laughs> it is not something to be taken for granted, but it's something that can happen. I would say with faith in God and tools that po- should point you to something bigger than yourself. Uh, so, let me ask you this question. In your work with men, do you discover a lot of father wounds? Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah, a, a lot of father wounds. Um, you know, you know, the biggest one, of course, is, is not there. Uh, the other one is abusive father. The other one is uh, addicted to drugs or, you know, mm-hmm. addicted to, you know, women, you know, sex or whatever. Uh, and... I would probably say the biggest one, I guess the root of all that 
is just a father's presence and being that 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 space and understanding. You know, I mean, you, you you're doing it. The fact being able to talk talk to their their fathers, um, because I, I think for the most part, you know, and the generations are actually changing. You know, you have. You know, me, I'm, I'm a baby boomer. Then you had Generation X and the millennials and now Gen Z. I think the simple fact well, what's going on now, even with this generation and your generation, is the feedback portion. Mm-hmm. It requires feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, requires opinion. Requires, what do you think? So I, I think as fathers, we're starting to get that. We're starting to understand that that portion that that has to happen. You know, you're that, absolutely. That it's hard to cut you off. You're absolutely right because if mm-hmm. you listen to other episodes, when you talk to older fathers and you ask them about their relationship with their father, it it wasn't a back and forth. It just wasn't there. It it was. It's authority. Yeah, it was authoritative. Power. Power. But it wasn't a deep connection on a level where they can open up and, and talk about their issues as men. Like, hey, you know, I'm having a problem with my wife. I'm just yep. being honest. And it, it just wasn't there. Yep. And some of the advice was, you know, just pray and things. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think with the younger generation, and, and here's the thing. I just thought about this. Telling someone just to pray and things like that, that is really sound advice. But with that being said, if that person isn't where you are spiritually, it they might need a little more than that, may need a, a accountability partner or someone to walk with them because they are probably still a babe in Christ in that sense. You know, because I you know, I have friends of mine that can really connect and just their ears are really mature. And I'm like, man, I got to get to that level because, you know, I need that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so saying, hey, pray about it. So I'm, I'm thinking, translating that to what I was just saying. If you tell your son, hey, man, just pray about it. God's going to work. It's like he's probably still trying to grow in his faith. And like, man, I, I need help. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, and that, he might not like that advice. It's, but, but, it's you know. I'll mean to cut you off, and this is one thing, it, it, kind of going back, and I'll, I'll hit two entities. One is Black Man Hill, and I'll hit the military. One thing for Black Man Hill, going back to the thing that I enjoy is the simple fact that it's guys from all walks of life, all, all religions. So the, the thing of, uh, about it is, there, you know, people are not going to, we're not, may not be on the same spiritual level. I have to respect that space. Right. You know what I mean? You know, Real talk, what I do is basically everything I do, I summarize scripture, scripture, so to speak, but mm-hmm. it's in it's in layman terms. And right. you're not beating nobody over the head. You know right. what I mean? So that, you know, that it, there was a thing they gave the eight eight dimensions of wellness. Mm-hmm. And the eight dimensions of wellness, it covers uh, you know, those eight one one portion of the eight dimensions of wellness is spiritually. Then you have environmental, intellectually, um, you know, physically, emotionally, all those other things that make make you well-rounded. You understand what I'm saying? So we, we get it with the prayer. We, we get that part. But what about the other aspects that, that create that 
in reference to your wellness as far as where it is. Spiritually, it's just one portion of that. You know what I mean? And that's why even for me, I had to get in balance because I was out of balance. You know, I'm a deacon in, in my church. And the thing that happens is I'm I'm serving, putting so much time within myself spiritually, but mm-hmm. I'm missing all those other elements of wellness. Mm-hmm. So I'm out of balance. You know, then I then we talked about I bring it back to the military because now as you leave, and and this goes, and this is how I look at it in a lot of different aspects. And you know, there's a couple different terminology as far as leadership and what they do. Just what I, I I go back and what I learned, there's a, you know, in reference to how you lead, authoritatively, participatively, or delegatively. So if I have to make a decision, it's point blank. Yes, no, it's got to be done. You know, if you're getting ready to go off, you know, a cliff, I just say, keep, stop, like mm-hmm. stop, like right there. You don't take another step. That's being authoritative. Now we're talking about participative where I'm saying, all right, before I make this decision, I need your input. You know, you talked about IT. So I take this. Okay, you, you're good with, you know, Rams or something. I don't know. But you're good with, you know, the other components. Now we, we join together. We figure this thing out. You know, that's, that's right. being, you, you're participating in the decision-making process. And then, of course, delegative. No, oh, Keith, you got it. You handle it. You know, yeah. now now I use those things as, you know, that, that keeps me, well-rounded in a lot of things that I do. Just in my mindset, you know, uh, the the eight dimensions of wellness, you know, thinking about those ways on how to lead, you know, and of course, you know, like you said, the, the, the boundaries and the standards of, of Christ is always, you know, at, at the top. But that that's, that's how I pr- approach a, a lot of different things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love this conversation just to wind down your approach is a well-rounded approach trying to tap into someone. And I'm thinking of, you know, scripture where it says, you know, Jesus fed the the homeless, you know, he gave them fish, a physical thing to feed Mm -hmm. their flesh. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was, he, but he always pointed it to the spiritual bread, you know, and, and it's like, Yes, I could give you this fish. It's gonna it's gonna feed you, you'll and you'll be hungry again. But mm-hmm. I got something that's better than this fish. So I could there's a way I could feed the, the flesh appetite to, to for a need that you have. But I will also tell you about the spiritual thing for the need. So it's like the your spiritual need is 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 more important than your physical need. But I, but God is so gracious; He He feeds both of those things. Absolutely. Uh, so it's it's really amazing. So I have one final question for you. In your opinion, what makes what makes a successful father? My opinion: What makes a successful father? You you said it: the ability to communicate. With his family, his son, his children. I mean, I said son because that, but the ability to communicate. Excellent, excellent. Well, Douglas, I'll, I'll give you the final word. Do you do you please share your your links, your organizations, anything? Oh my God! Um, you follow me on Facebook, Douglas McNeil Reed on Facebook. 
Instagram, I think it's Douglas underscore Emery. I forget. Um, <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. Um, also affiliated with organization called Black Men Heal, www.blackmenheal.org. Also, we do a segment uh, for men 18 years older called King's Corner on Sunday. You can register through Black Men Heal. Also, I have my own nonprofit that is kind of idle right now, dealing with these social justice as far as uh, prison reform and that synergy reform. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm out there, um, you know, on all all the 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 venues, so to speak. But I remain an, an open book, um, just trying to exemplify and, and be the, the the man, the person that God created me to be. That's it. Awesome. Doug, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for listening. This is an amazing show. Until next time, we'll see you. Peace. Peace.